0: Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. Thank you for braving the cold. I have a hunch there's more on the way. Um, Thrilled to be with you this morning because uh, last night I was in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I spent Friday and Saturday in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, For the last 10 years or so, we've always spent the first weekend of January in Green Bay working with about 4,000 students and youth leaders from Wisconsin at a thing called Districts. And um, when we saw the weather coming, we were kind of nervous about getting home. And uh, I didn't get home till 2, p- 2 a.m. last night. Uh, but I was determined to be here, so thanks to God's power and coffee, I am here with you right now. Amen, Amen to that. And, um, and uh, I'm thrilled to be here with you. Um, it's great. Thank you for your partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, we are disciple-making missionaries with Cadre Ministries. If you have your Uh, I've asked if if we could do this. If you have your Crosspoint bulletin and inside, I just want you to reach in there for a moment, and I just want you to pull out this little thing. Uh, It has three things in it, Uh, this little packet of information. One is kind of a a 2014 year-end update, and because of our partnership in the gospel, I wanted you to see how God is using you at Crosspoint through us. Even last night on the way home, uh, we got a text from the guy that runs the conference saying that hundreds of students received Jesus Christ as their Savior last night. And uh, I want you to know that any part that God is able to use us in that journey, you share in that as well because of your partnership with us. So I want to thank you for that. So that's a year-end update. Then there's the uh, Christmas letter, which is always try to, I always try to do something other than uh, you know, talk about some exotic vacation that we never took. But, uh, but it's just fun, fun Christmas letter. you get to know our kids a little bit. Then I want you to grab this. This is our missionary prayer picture. And uh, right away, if you look at this picture, you'll notice that we're holding our grandchild. No, that's not our grandchild. Uh, that's our child. But that's a long story. And I don't want to tell you about that today. But we have uh, seven kids. And what I would invite you to do, if you would just be so kind, to stick there's a little magnet on the back, stick this on your refrigerator. And sometime this year, when you go to get food, say, God, please help the crazy family and uh, continue to do your good work in their lives and in their kids for your glory. If you would do that, that would make my day. My heart to you, thank you for doing that. Deeply appreciate our friendship we share. Today I came to tell, uh, I t- came to tell the rest of my story, as Paul Harvey would say, and now the rest of the story. Uh, If you would open up your Bibles, though, I want you to see that how God's people, especially in the New Testament, were quick to tell their stories about how God had intervened in their lives. In Acts chapter 26, we're going to see such a story. So if you would be so kind to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 26, we're going to see the apostle Paul tell his story. Of course, we get Paul's story in earlier in the book of Acts, but it's fun to see him tell his story. And I'm going to uh, go somewhere with this, and we're going to bring it into a head here by the end, but I just want to read a lengthy passage out of here in Acts 26, because Paul tells a story, and I want you to see how he tells a story. Of course, Jewish, uh, some of the Jewish people hated Paul, and uh, Paul's very Jewish, but some of the Jewish religious, same religious leaders who hated Jesus uh, hate Paul, and, uh, and they've made his life very difficult, even though he's tried to be kind to them and love them. And uh, as a Roman citizen, instead of letting uh, the, Jewish judge, the Jewish people judge him, because he knows where that's going to lead, he appeals to Caesar. So Now he's before Roman people. Festus, these are all kind of kings and, and uh, governors. Uh, Festus has Agrippa come. He's a king. Then he says, I want you to hear this Apostle Paul guy. So look at verse uh, 1 of 26. And Agrippa's there. This is all this pomp and circumstances. And, and uh, watch, watch what happens in verse uh, 1. It says, um, then Agrippa said to Paul... You have my permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand, and he began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusation of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. That's his opening salvo. The Jews all know the way that I have lived ever since I was a child from the beginning of my life in my own country and in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that according to the strictest sects of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in God and what God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. O king, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? Verse 9. I too was convinced. Watch how he talks about his past life. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the saints in prison And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. So here's Paul saying, you know, the very thing I am, I used to hate and I used to persecute. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus. So, so what, what made the change? On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, O King, I was on the road and I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. When all we all heard, we all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness Of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First, To those in Damascus, and then to Jerusalem, and then to Judea, and to the Gentiles also. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. That is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But I have had God's help to this very day, and so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses would say happened, and that. Christ would suffer and, as the first to rise from the dead, would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul. You are out of your mind. I love this part of the story because here's Paul talking about how Jesus has changed his life, and Festus says, You are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you insane. And Paul responds politely, I am not insane, most excellent Festus. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think you can, in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul, short time or long, I pray that God... I pray, God, that not only you, but all who are listening to me may become what I am, except for these change. Paul tells his story, sells it also in, in, in chapter 22. Friends, part of what it means to follow Jesus is that we tell our story. And so I would like to just briefly tell you uh, a little bit more about my journey. Last time I was here, I believe I talked about how I grew up in the projects, and and uh, my mom was a bartender, and uh, she, she had a bartender friend who received Christ, and she eventually came over to our house, shared the gospel with my mom. My mom received Jesus Christ as her Savior. When my mom received Jesus Christ as her Savior, I did not have any kind of church background. We were pagans, long before it became chic, like today. Uh, you know, everybody was religious, but we were pagans, and now a lot less, less people are religious, and, and paganism is on the rise. Uh, it's fascinating, we didn't have any God in our life. but I got the best Christian education a kid could ever get. I saw God was alive as he changed my mom from a crazy, wild living bartender into a crazy wild living christian (laughs) like the apostle paul and i realized oh my goodness whatever my mom has it is for real and it's powerful and it's life-changing but here's the deal even though she took me to church from that moment on she quit working at the tavern she repented like it says in paul's story she repented and received christ as her savior and god began to transform her i didn't want anything to do with it as a kid um and so I remember I kind of held out until I was uh, about 15. I remember going to church with my mom just to appease her. Maybe some of you here today are just uh, in the habit of going to church rather than, than, uh, than actually wanting to be here. And uh, I just want to say I know how you feel because I did that for a while with my mom. She wanted me to go to church. I went with her. I just kind of endured it. I thought it was pretty boring. And, um, and I remember, uh, you know, I just thought, well, that's great for my mom, but it's not great for me. And, and here's, the, here's what I kind of I took away from my church experience, because we had never really been in a church until my mom became a Christian. I looked around in the church that we were a part of, and, uh, because my mom started going to church, and I looked around and I thought to myself, you know what, this is something old people do. Because in our church there was a lot of gray and sometimes blue hair. And, uh, and so <laughs> I just said, this is what you do when you get old, right? My, when you're young, you think your mom's old. And so, uh, so I was like, this is what I'll do when I get old. I remember, I I went to a large elementary school as a kid. And uh, if there was a, a person my age who was following Jesus, I didn't know who it was. I went to an even larger junior high school. And if there was a person in junior high who was trying to follow Jesus, I didn't know who it was because they certainly weren't identifying with Christ publicly, like my mom. My mom was talking about Jesus everywhere she went. Went to a larger high school... And uh, if there was a person in my high school who was touched by Christ and being transformed by a relationship with Jesus, I didn't know who it was because they weren't saying. until my end of my freshman year. Um, I was on my way uh, to study hall. Back then I majored in study hall. I minored in cafeteria, majored in study hall. I had been kicked out of the library. That's also another story for, a story for another time. I don't know if you know this or not, but nobody in my, in my family ever graduated from high school except me, and, and that's barely at this time. And so here I am in high school, and, uh, and I'm, walking down, I'm walking down the hallway, and I hear these words shouted through the hallway. Praise the Lord! And my first thought was, how did my mother get into this school? <laughs> because that's how my mom talks. And so I thought, I looked down the hallway, and this is the truth. There are these, and I you know, remember at this time, I'm thinking, There's no, I'm going to accept Jesus when I get old because I don't know anybody living for Christ. And, and I kid you not, coming down the hallway were two guys, and it was like a, the Red Sea, these, all the students split, and then these two guys came down, and they weren't saying praise the Lord. There was a bunch of students noticed that these kids were carrying their Bible in school, and they began to taunt these Christian kids, and I thought, "Here we go. These guys are going to be eaten alive. Somebody was saying, "Hallelujah!" And praise the Lord. It was all mockery. And somebody yelled, "Look out, man, here comes the Bible thumpers, the Jesus freaks." And, and I just thought these kids I actually thought these kids were just going to um, quit actually being Christians. I just thought they were just going to melt. They didn't melt. Uh, they, this one guy, you know, people teasing him, taunting him. this one guy holds up his Bible and he starts quoting what I now know to be Psalm 150 (laughs) and he goes that's right everybody go ahead and say praise the Lord go ahead and say hallelujah I'll tell you why the Bible says let everything that has breath praise the Lord I was like whoa this isn't the weak Christian thing I thought it would be And somehow they got me cornered and they began to tell me the story that my mom had been telling me for a number of years about a God who loved me and how my sin separated me from God's love and how God would not stand for my separation. So he sent his son to die on the cross and shed his blood and to be buried and he rose again the third day so that I could have forgiveness through his sacrifice. And I said to this guy, hey, you know what? I already know this stuff. He goes, you know all this stuff? And you're not a Christian? He's looking at me like, you idiot. And uh, if you know this, why aren't you a Christian? And I go, man, my mom's been telling me this stuff for a while now. And they're like, dude, what are you waiting for? And I was about to say that I didn't know anybody my age living for Jesus Christ. Because I'd never met anybody my age. Because I was under, I thought you couldn't be young and follow Jesus. And here I am looking at two of them. I opened my mouth to explain that, and I went, oh, this is dumb, they're right here. And I don't remember much about the rest of that day, but I remember a little bit. I remember being blown away that you could actually live for Jesus Christ. You could follow Jesus and be young. So that night, um, I went back to the projects where I lived, and I, I was in bed, and I said my first real prayer. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the one from your heart. And it was very untheological. I didn't know how to pray. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd prayed before. Like now I lay me down to sleep with a bag of candy at my feet. If I die before I wake, you know I died of a stomach ache. You know, I've, I've prayed those kinds of prayers before. But I never prayed from my heart before. But I knew my mom had drilled the gospel in me. And I knew what Jesus had done for me. I knew it. And I looked up. I don't know if you've ever just prayed from your heart for the first time, if you remember what it was like. But I looked up to the ceiling and I said, God, I'm ready to do business with you. And then I went to bed. (laughs) I think it's the most untheological prayer a guy could ever say and get saved. Because I knew what I was saying. I was like, God, I know you touched my mom because of what Jesus did on the cross. I know you touched these guys. If they can do it, my mom can do it, I'm in. I'm I'm putting my trust in what Jesus did for me. It was totally non-emotional. I'm a passionate guy. Uh, It was totally non-emotional. But I'll tell you what, the moment I woke up the next day, I knew God was in me. I knew the Holy Spirit was indwelling me. You know why? This is crazy. I woke up, and my first thought in the morning as a 15-year-old kid was, hey, I trusted Christ as my Savior last night. Now, that's a miracle, because normally I don't think anything about God at any time. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. Then I thought, what do I do now? I don't know what to do now. And I thought to myself, well, my mom accepted Jesus as her Savior She started to read the Bible. I said, okay, I'm going to start reading the Bible. Fifteen years old, first day, I'm going to read the Bible. I already had a desire to read the Bible. I knew that was the right thing. Why? Because my mom didn't have to tell me this. My mom lived it. I knew where she was at right that moment when I woke up. She's downstairs reading the Bible, drinking coffee, and smoking her cigarette. Sorry, I just got to keep it real. My mom had only been saved a few years, all right? So just keep that in mind. And I knew she was down there doing that. And so I thought, you know what? I don't have a Bible. But my mom, she'll probably have an extra or she'll hook me up with one. So I go downstairs. You got to understand, my mom's been praying for me for a number of years. She sees me. You know, I'm starting to party. She sees me starting to really do all the classic dysfunctions of my family. So you know what she did? I didn't know this. She'd been praying for me. Boy, oh boy, if you're here today and your mom is praying for you and you don't know Jesus, you should give up. If your grandma's praying for you, please accept Jesus right now, because those old ladies don't know how to shut up, man, and they have the ear of God. They, God listens to those ladies. So my mom's down there, and I go, hey, Mom. She goes, yeah. I go, am not going to believe this, but yesterday at school, of all places, I ran into two guys who talk about Jesus like you do. She goes, yes. I said, "Well," and then he told me the same story you told me about how God loved me, my sin separates me from God. Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood, rose again, and they told me if I received Christ as my Savior, I could be forgiven and have a relationship with God. She goes, "Yes." I go, "Last night I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior." Man, she jumps off that stool. She starts hugging me, and she says, "Billy." I've been praying for you, and I knew you weren't listening to me anymore, so I prayed that God would send Christians into your life. I said, Mom, I think I'm supposed to read the Bible now. She said, Yes, yes. I said, Do you have one I could borrow? She goes, Take mine. King James Red Letter Zipper Edition. That's all we had, my friends. That's all we had. This was like in the early 1800s. and um, she she takes this little place and she puts a marker into the gospel of St. John and she says start there my boy and I said okay mom so I grab my Bible I zip her up and I get on the bus I got like a 45 minute ride and I'm like here we go and I start reading can I confess to you I got through high school without ever reading a book you know how much work you have to do to do that I have to work hard. And um, it's way easier to read a book. So I'm reading this book, and I'm reading the book of all books now. In the King's English. Can I tell you something crazy? I fell in love with the Jesus in the Gospels. I understood it. It was resonating with I had a lot of questions. And I was like, this is awesome. And considering all of the study halls I have, I am going to kill this, man. I am going to get this done. And I mean it, because I, I just had trouble. and uh, so But I had all this time. And that's what got me into trouble. I had all this time. So I'm like, now I am going to do this, man. I mean this. But when I got to the school... Um, there were the two guys waiting for me because they knew they knew they had me thinking man they knew they were waiting for me and i think they were like let's wait till allison gets to school man we're gonna get him and so i come out i, I see them out there and i come walking out and they're like there he is man so they start coming up and trying to talk to me about jesus and they were blown away because i'm like get back and i hold up my mom's bible and i'm holding a bible now they can't believe it man i well last night i accepted jesus as my savior now they're hugging me which i did not appreciate in front of the whole school I'm secure in my masculinity now. I can be hugged by a man, but not so much then. And this guy goes, hey, man, this is great. We got the same lunch hour. We're going to disciple you. And I go, no, you're not. And they go, yeah, man, you got your Bible. We got our Bible. We got the same time. We're going to eat lunch together. We're going to disciple. I said, no, you're not. I didn't know what discipling was. I didn't want to join a cult, so I just didn't know what to do. So he said, hey, you got your Bible, we got our Bible, and he kind of picked up on this. Let's do Bible study. My Bible said that sounded right. My mom went to a lot of Bible studies, right? So I'm like, yes, I'm in. And I said, besides, I got a lot of questions. And so I would spend that time, uh, instead of with all of my crazy party and jock friends, I would spend that time uh, over there at the Sunday school table. And there was a group of about five or six of us. And uh, I just had tons of questions. And man, these guys, were, these guys were helping me grow in my faith. They just kind of befriended me right away. Can I just say something? If it wasn't for Jesus, I'd have had nothing to do with those people. Do you know what I'm saying? We'd have nothing in common. I mean, one of the guys that led me to the Lord, uh, it kind of was taking me under his wing. Uh, He he was a drummer, so that's semi-cool and that's acceptable, all right? Uh, So that was cool. But the other guy, the main guy that kind of pulled me under his wing, his hobby was growing plants. (laughs) Now, if you're used to baseball, basketball, and football, you don't usually talk to those people. But here I am, every lunch period, I'm hanging over these guys. And yeah, can I just say something I learned right away? Jesus is enough. It doesn't matter what your hobbies are. It doesn't matter what your other passions are. When you're passionate about Jesus, Jesus is enough. And these guys quickly became my friends. But I remember, um, you know, I had been there for a couple of weeks, and I, I was already through uh, the book of John, and I asked my mom, I, you know, the Bible's a big book. What do I read now? Can you mark another book for me to read? And my mom wisely said, oh, you need to go to Matthew now. My mom's going to give me all Jesus. Man, I love this. She may just, you just you The whole Bible's about Jesus, she said. When you understand Jesus, you'll understand the Old Testament, and you'll begin to understand the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, you want to start in John? We're going to go Matthew, Mark, and Luke then. Okay, fair enough. So I remember I was taken. We, we've been through John now, and I'm on my way to go read some more Matthew, and I'm on my way to the study hall, and I turned down to this uh, long corridor in one of our high schools there, and I uh, I ran into a sea of red and white jerseys. These are all my jock friends, and they're wondering where I've been lately. And I think what happened was that somebody said, hey, where's Allison? How come he doesn't eat lunch with him anymore?" Well, they looked around in the cafeteria, and they looked over, and they said, well, there he is. He's over there, and he probably saw me with my Bible open, writing things down, because I was into it, man. And uh, they were like, are you kidding, man? Is, is he a freak now? What's the deal? And so I turned this corner, and here they all were waiting for me. And one of them grabs my Bible, and he opens it up, and he goes, Hey, Bill, gets right in my face. He goes, How was Sunday school today? I saw you over there having Sunday school. How was it? And I was like, Oh, these guys are going to give me a hard time, right? And um, another one got real, one of my good friends got right next to me, and he started singing, Jesus loves me this side," just mocking me. And I didn't. I wasn't ready for it. You know what I'm saying? I just. I, I'm new in this journey. wasn't ready for it. And uh, the bell rang, and they threw me my Bible, and I walked up to study hall. I put my head down on my Bible, and I wept. It hurt. And when I say I wept, you got to know something. I saw a lot of crazy stuff in my childhood. I didn't cry very easily. I pretty much sucked everything in. And when I say I wept, I don't mean I just had like a little tear running off my cheek. I wept, and I was like this, <laughs> and snot went everywhere. I mean, it was all over the place. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it was everywhere. I tortured every teacher I ever had. And, um, but for the last two weeks, they loved me. Because I was quiet. I was reading the Bible. They didn't even care. This teacher came over to me and she just held out this Kleenex and, and she said, you need to go see the, you know, you need to go down and see the nurse, what do you need? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I, I'm just need, I just need to clean this up and, and uh, she felt sorry for me, I could see it in her eyes and uh, so I got composure of myself and I was angry, I was upset about this. So something I need to tell you about my relationship with God is it's always pretty raw. Um, you ever read the Psalms when David says stuff like, "God, where are you? I feel so alone you 've abandoned me da 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 so i didn 't know that 's how the Psalms work, I had never read a psalm yet, but that's my relationship with God has always been raw, real. And I said to God this prayer: "God, I quit." I just put him on notice, and God laughed and um, I said, I did not know, I did not know that this was going to be, and all they did was make a little fun of me, but it hurt. And I remember looking at the clock, and there was still 50 minutes left in the class, and I just thought, man, I love this book. It makes the time go by so fast. I'm just going to read it one last time, and then I'm giving it back to my mom when I go home. I happened to be in that portion of Matthew in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I opened it up right to where I left off the previous day, and this is what I read in the King's English. Blessed are ye when men persecute you and say all kinds of evil things about you. I said, "Um, wow, that's apropos, that's relevant today. But I was like, I don't feel so blessed, right? Right? This is not happy. So I thought I'd keep reading. Blessed are ye when men persecute you and say all kinds of evil things about you because of me. I knew it was in red letter. I knew it was Jesus. Okay, Jesus, why should we be blessed? Why is that such a good thing? He said, rejoice, next verse, rejoice and be glad in that day for great is your reward in heaven. We grew up poor. And I'm grateful for that because it taught me to do without. That's a skill people don't have today. It taught me to work because nothing was going to come my way unless I was going to go after it. So I loved that I grew up poor. But I never had anything. And now the Bible is telling me I have that which is most important. I'm telling you, I said to God, God, remember when I said I quit? I'm back in. (laughs) And I mean it. I am back in. And you know what? Can I just tell you right now? Listen to me. I've been saved 36 years now. Trying to follow Jesus for 36 years. Don't always get it right to this day. There are many times in my journey when I feel like giving up. This book, this book under the power of the Holy Spirit has been an anchor to my normally reckless up and down soul. It will meet you, God will meet you through His Word to give you that which you need to endure and carry on. I am a crazy man. God has stabilized my life through His Holy Spirit and His Word, He will do the same for you. Let me fast forward. I think when I received Christ as my Savior, I did it as my Savior, and I was glad to be saved from my sins and to have a relationship with God and to one day be with God forever. But the more I read about Jesus and the more God worked in my life, something strange happened in my life. God wanted to start telling me what to do. One of the biggest problems uh, that I worried about was who God would tell me to marry. I didn't think God had the same taste in women as I did, and so I was a little bit worried about that as a young man. I was like, Jesus, you can save my soul. I'll let you tell me about reading the Bible. I'll let you teach me, but I'm a little bit worried about who you're going to stick me with the rest of my life because I just think you don't understand what I need. And that was just one of the areas of my life. But you know how God is? He keeps coming after you. He just keeps wearing you down. And it's fascinating because I got this like little picture one time. It's like you're driving down, and I think this is for many of you here. It's like you're driving down the road of life, and there's Jesus. Watch this now. There's Jesus hitchhiking. He's basically saying, hey, will you stop the busyness of your life to let me in? And I'm like, Jesus, I want you in my life. So I pull over, and I open up the back seat of the car of my life. And I said, Jesus, most people never let you in their car of their life. I'm going to let you in the back seat, but I'm still going to drive. Here's Jesus. No, Bill. I am King of kings, Lord of lords. I drive. Not you. I drive. So I'm like, okay, you ever do this? I'm going to negotiate. So I close the back door. I open up. Listen, Jesus, I'm going to let you in the front seat, passenger side. So I open up the door. Come on, Jesus. No, I drive. It dawned on me in my late teens. Jesus didn't just want to save me. The Jesus of the Bible wants to drive my life. You know why some of you are so bored in your Christianity? Listen to me now. It's because you're driving. You are driving. That's boring. You're only going to do safe stuff. You want to go on an adventure? Hand the keys over to Jesus. Can I be honest with you? For 36 years, Jesus and I have been having a fight. Who's going to drive? I'm trying to let him drive more. He's still working on me. I got a ways to go. But I'm trying to let him drive more and more. How about you? How about you? Some of us want just enough Jesus inoculated. Christianity, just enough to keep you from getting the full-blown disease. Friends, that's called religion. You're never going to find that type of Christianity. Hey, I'm going to heaven. Jesus saved me, but I run the show. Jesus is in my pocket. If he's in your pocket, he's going to come after you. Some of you here, back to my metaphor about the car, you have Jesus in the trunk. He's not even in the back seat. He is your, I've got everything under control until the car doesn't work. He pull, I get a flat tire, I make Jesus change it. Friends, Jesus wants out of the trunk. He wants out of the back seat. He wants out of the front seat. He wants you in the back of your life and him driving. You know what that means? That means you make Jesus not only your savior, you make Jesus your lord, master, owner. First Corinthians says, "You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify and honor God in your body." You are not your own. Who your money is not your money. And God can take it away, your money, if he wants to. He owns everything, including you. Friends, so many people in America have this weird religious idea that they can, they can lip a prayer and go on living as they please. They do not understand the message of repentance. They don't understand what Jesus does in somebody's life. Some of you might be getting uncomfortable. This is good. Because I'm speaking to you. And I'd rather have you be a little uncomfortable right now so that you'll do business with God. Can you say that prayer? God, I'm ready to do business with you. I had no idea what I was getting into or what was getting into me for that matter. Can I tell you something? 36 years for all the ups and downs, I wouldn't trade it for anything. What a boring life I would have lived myself. I think it was Billy Graham that said, the smallest package I've ever seen is a man all wrapped up in himself. Scary, isn't it? When did following Jesus cease to be scary? No, it's always crazy. God's going to do crazy things. I think sometimes, though, let me just say this in closing. Some of you here are thinking, man, if I say God can do whatever he wants in my life, I might end up in Africa. You know that little baby we have, that three-year-old now? Four years ago, let me tell you this story. Four years ago, my wife and I were jogging. Sometimes we don't talk to each other. It's something that we get out of the house to do. It takes 25 minutes, we just go jogging around the neighborhood. Sometimes we pray together. We'll pray for our kids. If I can breathe (laughs) while we're talking, I'll pray out loud. Sometimes we're just quiet and we just pray quietly. It's nice. It's a nice break. About four years ago, I felt like I was getting comfortable. And I felt like I didn't have a dependence on God. So I said, God, when I was a young man, I gave you the keys. Not only did I ask you to save me, but I I said you could drive my life. I just, I just want to re-up. Four years ago, I said, I just want to re-up. I don't want to get old and comfortable. I don't want to get old and predictable. You own me. You will always have owned me. I am yours. You are God. I am not. I don't care what you want, what you do with this. Next thing, I'm going to tell you. But God, you can do anything you want in my life. Anything you want in my life. And I meant it. Can you pray that? Because I know anything God has. And I thought, well, here we go. We're going to sell the house and we're missionaries here, but now we're going to be missionaries somewhere else. Let's see what God does. A couple months later, my wife and I're jogging, and she said to me, pardon me, hey, just want you to know something? I'm late. I said, late for what? (laughs) She goes, late? I go, oh, 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 oh. I said, "Um, I'm not worried about it. I said, you're getting old. We're going to reach menopause. (laughs) I didn't say I was a smart man. She goes, okay, because she just flies with it. Another month goes by. She goes, I need to go see the doctor. I said, as soon as she said that, the Holy Spirit tapped me on the heart. And he said, remember what you prayed? You can do. You want me to do anything thank you for the invitation. I'm doing something. And I knew it. I looked her right in the eyes and I said, I need you to know something right now. I know this is crazy because our kid is, our youngest is 10. But if this is what we think it is, it's my fault. <laughs> because I told God he could do whatever he wanted to, but I also believe it's going to be the best thing for us. And I looked her right in the eyes and I said, this could be exactly an answer to that prayer. So we go to the doctor. doctor we're in the room with the doctor. Doctor looks at her, then looks at me, looks at her and says, congratulations, you guys are going to be parents. And we wept tears of joy. Shock, but tears of joy. We got into the car. My wife looked at me and said, like two unmarried teenagers, she asked me, how in the world are we going to tell our parents? (laughs) And then I said, how in the world are we going to tell our teenagers? Because they don't even think mom and dad are still active. (laughs) And thus began our journey. So I share that story with you because I want you to know something. I don't know, my wife's here with us. We have Ivy with us too. The other kids all had responsibilities at their church. Now watch we are having that this is going to sound weird i didn't know being a grandparent was so much fun <laughs> we are having the time of our lives we had a bunch of teenagers and they tend to think of themselves throw a baby into that mix everybody thinks of somebody else beside themselves this has been not only great for us it's been great for them i wish all old people in this room will have another baby I look forward to your Facebook response. (laughs) It's not for everybody. God, but you know what I'm saying? I shudder to think of the boring life I would have had I not said, God, you can do anything you want in my life. Now the story here is not just my story. It's God's story, and listen to this. I'm here today because of people like my mom who found out about Jesus from her ex-bartender friend. I'm here today because of those two guys, the drummer and the plant grower. Their story helped me. For the next four weeks, four Wednesdays, four Sundays, but four Wednesdays, I'm going to be with you, and we're going to talk about how do you become a follower of Jesus who helps other people learn to follow Jesus, especially people who are far away. Some people love evangelism, and if you're an evangelist, I love you. And I'm glad you're here. But most people in the body of Christ are scared to death of telling other people about Jesus. The training that we're going to do is for you. It's for how does a mom live such a way of life and help other moms and even their own kids come to have a relationship with God. We're not going to ask you to go out on the street and preach. We're not going to ask you to go to a different country and preach. We're going, to talk, we're going to study Christ's life and we're going to give you four practical, intentional things you can do in your life every day, no matter if you're a junior high or a senior citizen or you work at CAD or whatever you do, you're a farmer, stay-at-home mom, whatever it is. This training is for all the people in the body of Christ who don't see themselves as an evangelist. And it's how to join Jesus' journey with people who are in your life, whether they be family, friends, relatives, co-workers, neighbors, without feeling like, oh my goodness, I'm preaching and making it weird. This training is for you. And I would love to help you do that. So it is, I'm going to ask you to do something way more challenging than go overseas. I'm going to ask you to try to live your life in such a way that right where you're at, God uses you in your family and in your neighbors your coworkers without being a guy who stands up on the table or a gal who stands up on a table and just kind of preaches. If that's you, God bless you. Keep doing it. But most of us aren't like that. And this training is for you. I hope you'll join me for the next four Wednesdays. I have two things I want to challenge you to do. I want you to think about those Number one, I want you to think about those God's placed in your life that you're not sure they have a relationship with Jesus. Could be your own kids. Could be your grandkids. Could be your neighbors. These are people that you see in the normal ebb and flow of your life. If you have a neighborhood, it's probably not a Christian neighborhood, so there's people there. Do you go to the same coffee shop? Do you get gas at the same place? Do you get groceries? Are there any people you know from those places? Coworkers, whatever it may be. I want you to think of three people that God has placed in your normal sphere of life. Maybe they're, my kids have sucked me into all kinds of activities. I know more rugby parents because my kids play rugby. I know band parents now because my kids in the band. I know, uh, you know, football because my kids play football. Uh, my kids have just brought me into a lot of people, which is great. So think about who has God placed in the ebb and flow of your life? And here's my challenge to you. Start praying for those people. God, I don't know if this person knows you. Would you please go to work in their life? And if you want to use me in some way just to be their friend and help take that journey, I'm in. Pray. Find three people that are in your life you're not sure have a relationship with Jesus. Pray for them. And pray for yourself. You come the next four Wednesdays, I will equip you to cooperate with God in their journey. I promise you, I will equip you to do that. God's goal for us isn't just to meet together. It's to meet together, and then every time we leave church, game on, a way of life. The real test of what happens in a church during a service like this is what happens after church in real life, isn't it? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, you know every heart. I've done my best to accurately share your story. I think it's futile unless your spirit uses it. I think it's not going to bring about the desire you want unless you work in our hearts. And so right now, I just ask you to speak to individuals and their journey. I'm sure in, a, in, in this sanctuary right now, there are people all over the map spiritually. So only your spirit can do that. Do it now. Nudge, encourage, convict. Before I close this prayer, I want to give you a chance just to quietly in your heart do business with God. Is there anybody here that needs to say to God, God, I'm ready to do business with you. Maybe your takeaway was, maybe God spoke to you today about this. You need to say this prayer. May I dirty double dog dare you. I dare you to say this prayer. God, I invite you to do anything you want in my life. If you can say that, say it now quietly in your heart to God. If you couldn't say that, thank you for not faking it. I'm going to pray that God will work in your life to a point where you will be able to say, God, you can do anything you want in my life. I told you it's a fight. Who's going to drive? I get it. I'm still fighting it. Don't give up. Father, I pray that we would be ruled by love, not fear. I pray that we would understand who you are, how you love us, and that you only do what's good for us in your glory. I pray, God, that we will understand that we are not our own. We have been bought with a price through the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you, God, for this church. Thank you for the pastors of this church, the elders of this church, the way that they continue to spread the gospel not just here, but through their missionaries like us. God, thank you so much for the friendship we share and the partnership we share because of who Jesus is. I pray that today, you would help us to take another step in that journey. And I pray that if anybody uh, is talking themselves out of coming to this training on, on Wednesday, God, I just pray that you would just keep working with them because we just love to have regular people taking a journey together. God, thanks that this isn't our job. We get to cooperate with you. You do the work. I want to tell you how much we love you, and we pray a blessing on this church that it will continue to be fruitful and multiply. And you will get the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.